Let's talk about digital identity, the podcast connecting identity and business. I am your host, Oscar Santolaya. Today, we're happy to bring you a new episode of our Identity Stories series. Privacy by design has just become an ISO standard, which we want to celebrate. So let's go back in time and hear moments of this journey. Let's first hear from Privacy by Design's creator herself, Dr. Anne Kavukian. She is recognized as one of the world's leading privacy experts, and she served an unprecedented three terms as the Information and Privacy Commissioner of Ontario, Canada. Dr. Anne Kavukian, welcome back to Let's Talk About Digital Identity. Thank you so much, Oscar. It's a pleasure. Use a time machine and bring us to the moment in which you started writing Privacy by Design. We'll have to go back to the 90s. So I was first appointed Privacy Commissioner of Ontario, Canada in, I think, 97. And when I was appointed Commissioner, I joined the office, which consisted of brilliant lawyers. And they took, of course, a legal approach to protecting privacy, applying the law after a privacy harm had arisen. But you see, I'm not a lawyer. I'm a psychologist. I took a very different view of how we should protect privacy in addition to legal means. I wanted something that would prevent the privacy harms from arising. I wanted to have a model of prevention that was proactive, baked into the code, baked into your operations, so that ideally we can have fewer privacy infractions and data breaches. And this was a very different approach to the legal one. So literally at my kitchen table over three nights, I created privacy by design, and then I took it in and I sold it to my lawyers. And it, it didn't take long, but it was a different approach. And I said, look, this will complement regulatory compliance, which is after the fact, applying a privacy law after a privacy harm has arisen. That's very valuable. But I want, ideally, to minimize the number of privacy harms that arise. And that's what privacy by design is all about. So they got that. It was a win-win, and they liked it, and away we went. And privacy by design has grown dramatically since then. It's been translated into 40 languages. We've had great success with it. How was the whole journey since that time until now, 2023? Has the road to becoming an ISO standard been a bumpy road? It's always a bumpy road, there's no question, but I had great fortune. I was very lucky. In 2010, Privacy by Design was unanimously passed as an international standard by the International Assembly of Privacy Commissioners and Data Protection Authorities in Brussels. So immediately in the privacy community, it grew enormously. And then when the new law in the European Union, the General Data Protection Regulation was introduced or came into effect in 2018, my privacy by design was included in the GDPR as well as privacy as the default, which is the second of seven foundational principles of privacy by design. This was huge. It being recognized like that was just such a huge development. And it took hold globally because everyone around the world wants to do business with Europe and engage in business and trade with the European Union. So lots of countries started doing privacy by design. And whenever there was a new law that was developed, a privacy law, like Brazil last year, they included privacy by design in it. So it really took off. So when ISO started considering including it as an international standard, that took years in the making. 
I mean, it just came into effect this year. But my colleague, Michelle Chiba, who's amazing, I mean, she's been sitting on committee meetings for the past, I don't know, three, four, five years with ISO in an effort to make privacy by design an ISO standard. But we succeeded, and that's the whole thing. It is now an international standard, ISO 31700, and it's all over the world. It's already becoming embraced by countries who recognize the value of ISO standards. So literally, I'm delighted by this. Fantastic. I can hear your, your voice of success when you are sharing this journey. And congratulations for that, of course. <laughs> Thank you. If you were wondering, what are the seven principles? Let's hear now Dr. Anne Kavukian explaining the seven foundational principles of privacy by design. Starting with principle number one, proactive, not reactive. The first one, uh, prevent the harms. You want to be proactive and prevent the harms from arising. It's very, very clear. The second one is privacy as the default setting. And that's absolutely critical. In fact, it's considered to be so important. When they enacted the GDPR in the European Union, they included not only my privacy by design, but specifically privacy as the default setting as well. So that's very important. The third one, embedded in design, is absolutely critical. If it's not baked into the code, into your operations, it's going to be overlooked. The fourth one, you have to have full functionality. Get rid of the zero-sum mindset of privacy versus security or privacy versus data utility. It can't be either or win-lose. It has to be win-win. Privacy and data utility. You make a positive sum and you get multiple positive gains, privacy and security, always intertwined. And the next one, talking about security. While the term privacy subsumes a much broader set of protections than security alone, in this day and age of daily hacking and phishing, if you don't have a strong foundation of security from end to end with full lifecycle protection, you're not going to have any privacy. So start with a solid foundation of security throughout your entire organization. Give individuals access to their own data. You know, I always say to companies and governments, you may have custody and control of someone's data, but it doesn't belong to you. It belongs to the data subject. So give them the right of access that they have. Allow them to gain access to personal information you have on them. And companies actually have come back to me, companies that are certified for privacy by design, and they say, we love this. We love this principle because once we give customers access to their own data, they come back to us and say, no, no, that's no longer the case. That was true about me two years ago. Here's what's going on now. So they correct the information. They increase the accuracy of the information we hold, and it increases the quality of the data we have. So they love it. And the last principle, keep it user-centric. When you keep it focused on the user, all of this flows out because it should all be around the individual when it's personal information you're dealing with. Because personal information is about identifiable individuals. So you have to keep it focused on the user and what they permit, what they don't permit, things of that nature. So that's it. Seven foundational principles by design. Despite all the recognition that privacy by design has received for two decades and the influence it has had in regulations such as the General Data Protection Regulation, GDPR, we saw that the vast majority of internet products and services still didn't use the seven foundational principles. An urgent push 
was necessary. What would help us make waves of such magnitude? Nothing better than a global standard published by the International Organization for Standardization, the ISO. ISO standards are recognized by governments, regulatory bodies, and industry associations around the world, so becoming an ISO standard would increase the adoption of privacy by design and it would be recognized globally. It is not easy to become an ISO standard with thorough review processes, including expert opinions, public consultation, and a vote by ISO members. On 2018, a technical committee called ISO PC 317 Consumer Protection Privacy by Design for Consumer Goods and Services was created. Four more years and all the efforts of this group of motivated and brilliant minds from all over the world came to fruition. On February 8, 2023, this standard was published with the name ISO 31700 Part 1 2023 Consumer Protection Privacy by Design for Consumer Goods and Services. Let's now hear from another guest, a perspective of a tech entrepreneur who has been incorporating privacy by design in their products. We are welcoming back Katrina Dow, who is CEO and founder at Miko. Hello, Katrina. Hello. It's nice to be back. Thank you for inviting me. Katrina, how has privacy by design influenced you? Well, I'm very privileged if I think back to when Anne Vokian and the Canadian government were at the forefront of bringing the concept of privacy by design into the world. I was a recipient of an early Privacy by Design Ambassador Award. And I think that was twofold. One, because after reading about the principles of privacy by design, we immediately decided to bake those things into the development of Miko as a product, so architecturally to adopt them. And secondly, we were invited around 2016 to submit a consultation to the Canadian government in support of privacy by design and really in support of why it was important from a, a technology design perspective and how it could make a difference. And we all remember a lot of this thinking was pre-GDPR. This was kind of at the forefront of the concept of considering for citizens, initially Canadians and now all around the world, this idea of taking a principle of privacy and considering it in every aspect of the design of a product or a service. Thank you. And on your opinion, how has privacy by design influenced digital identity as an industry? So I think it's an interesting question about digital identity. Optimistically, I guess, what we've seen with the advent and the evolution and the maturing of self-sovereign identity, at the heart of that are principles around human-centered design and control. So I think there are great parallels with privacy by design. However, if we step back and look at the whole digital identity landscape, I'm not sure that it has had a wide enough impact in the design of systems, certainly large tech platforms or even some governments have not really thought about that 
human-centered, privacy by design, progressive disclosure, anchoring core parts. And as a result of that, I think in the digital identity landscape, we have lots of really great systems and solutions, but they're not always designed from a human-centric or a privacy by design point of view. And I, I guess one topical example of that recently with the acquisition of Twitter by Elon Musk and then opening up Twitter Blue for everyone and not having a proper process in place for verification or identity protection in any way. We all saw it was a very short-lived example of what happens if you don't understand some of the foundation principles of identity, privacy, and if you don't design from that perspective of understanding You want to, in one way, protect the individual, but in another way, be able to open up that identity for authentication, authorization, or access to trusted parties in a progressive way. So I think sometimes that balance we don't see enough in the design of digital identity. If you have some final idea, do you like to share about prior design? I think one of the things that we've noticed just recently, been involved in a community project where privacy and security were acknowledged to be important, but not enough to slow down architecture and design. So the desire was to be able to build something really quickly and get it out into the community. And one of the really challenging things about privacy and security is if you don't bake it in at the lower layers, if you don't build that foundation, it's really hard to go back and put it into a product or a service afterwards. I you know sometimes think about building a house. You imagine if you if you didn't put down a strong foundation and you were building on sand and then you went back later and you wanted to try and reinforce that structure. It's not impossible, but it's costly, it takes time, and it creates all sorts of adjacent problems, particularly if you're building a digital system. So I think I would encourage people to think it may slow down architecture. It may slow down consensus. It may slow down the beginning of a project, but it means you can go much, much faster once you're up and running. And it also means that you've not created technical debt, policy debt, compliance debt that you will have to circle back and address later on. So it's definitely worth investing that time up front and building on a strong foundation. I couldn't agree more. And there was an excellent analogy, indeed, very visual analogy that helped us to understand the importance of privacy by design. The stories that Katrina Dow just shared with us might sound like we are still in a somber passage of this journey, but it shouldn't surprise us. Designing internet services is only getting more complex. Tight deadlines, limited budgets, scarcity of technical experts all these determines and shapes the outcome. And those new applications are built to help the lives of millions of citizens, students, patients, and people of all ages. At these crossroads, how can we make sure that this ISO standard builds the required momentum so what we'll see in the next years is an avalanche of services that really protect our privacy? So now that it has become an ISO standard, what is the impact of having privacy by design an ISO standard? I think the impact will be significant because you see, we're struggling right now at a time where surveillance is mounting, steadily mounting on a daily basis. 
we need massive intervention to put the brakes on it. And with privacy by design being recognized as an ISO standard, that will draw so much more attention to privacy, embedding it proactively into the design of your operations, into AI, artificial intelligence. We have to embed privacy into this from the beginning in order for it to take. And that's why I'm so excited about the timing of this, because it will attract a lot of attention to privacy. And privacy forms the foundation of our freedom. If you want free and open societies, you have to have freedom. And this will help to preserve freedom. So ISO standards, marrying with privacy by design, the sky is the limit, privacy and freedom. And also privacy and security go hand in hand. While privacy subsumes a much broader set of protections than security alone, in this day and age of massive phishing and ransomware attacks and all this, if you don't have a strong foundation of security from end to end with full life cycle protection, you're not going to have any privacy. So you have to have privacy and security by design. Now, if there's something else you would like to tell or share? What I want to remind people is please don't be alarmed by the odds. Meaning, people say to me, you know, I tweet every morning, I, I have a large Twitter following, and I tweet out the latest stories of the day. And someone in very blue will come back to me and say, lady, give it up. That ship has sailed. Privacy is dead. And I go back and I say, get another frigging ship. You don't give up on privacy. You don't give up on freedom just because the odds are small. They're getting bigger. But you look at what is important to preserve. Freedom is the most important thing to me to preserve. I'm Armenian. I come from a background where in 1915, 1.5 million Armenians were killed. You don't give up. That's the whole point. You always come back. You never give up on freedom. And so I just urge people, don't be alarmed at the odds that it seems to be overwhelming that we can't do this. Yes, you can. We can do this. We have to do this. We want to preserve freedom for ourselves, for our children, for the future. We must do this. So please stay with me and embed privacy into your operations. And one last thing, if you do shopping either online or, or in real stores physically, if you express an interest in privacy, you will get so much more protection. You can imagine, I always ask what they're going to do with my information. I'm at a store, they're asking for my postal code or this or that. And I say, oh, and how will you be protecting my privacy? The, the guy I'm dealing with doesn't know, but he'll go get the manager. And the manager will say, oh, you care about privacy. Here's what we can do. Boom, boom, boom. And immediately the protections go up. So just express your interest in privacy and see how much more protection it will lead to. It's a win-win. Thank you for your time. Privacy is not only an internet issue, a technology issue. It follows us everywhere we go, from a kitchen table to an ISO standard. The world just saw how privacy by design arrived to this elusive but crucial destination. What's our next milestone on this journey? The road that will come can be long and bumpy, but as Dr. Ankavukian said, it's never time to give up. This was a special story episode of Let's talk about the digital identity. Thank you to our guests, Dr. Anne Kavukian and Katrina Dow. The story of this episode was edited by Chloe Hartop with help of me, Oscar Santolaya. <laughs>